Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Poor man, I guess everybody has where it felt dark and dreary, and that's the key word, felt. Felt. Our emotions are powerful, aren't they? Our emotions can freak us out. You ever felt scared when you were a kid, or maybe you felt fear lately, or you saw a movie maybe you shouldn't have seen, it was freaky, it scared you, or someone scared you, or you went through a traumatic accident, or something happened, and you felt, right? You felt. That's a tough place to be when you feel like you've lost hope. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you have battled with depression. I've experienced depression before. Maybe some of you have battled with anxiety or other things. And sometimes those go together. But maybe some of you have said, man, I, just, I, did, I have. I've battled with heaviness and just feeling like down. And why does that happen many times? It's because the enemy has been able to trick us into saying there's no hope. There is no hope. Why does light bring hope? I don't know. But even in the future, you imagine a tunnel, and, and, and life sometimes feels like a tunnel, but even at the end of a dark tunnel at times, you can see a light, and you say, man, there is hope. There's, yeah, the proverbial, the very cliche, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Hope. Hope says, man, there's more than a chance. And hope, without hope, you know, the, here's the issue without hope. Without hope, you cannot have faith, because hope leads you into faith. Hope says, ah, there's a chance. God could do this. Faith says, God is going to do this. It's on its way. Hope says, ah, I'm almost there. I, I, it, it could happen, man. I, I don't know. There's a great chance. I'm feeling optimistic. And then that leads into faith. So without hope, you don't have faith. Very, very difficult to do that without hope. So tonight I want to talk to you about why I stay hopeful, and I think you'll be, be able to relate. First of all, great season to talk about this. We've been talking about him a lot. And I believe God is pleased with how much we've mentioned the name of Jesus in recent months. But he is the main reason I stay hopeful. There are times, man, I've gone through a series of battles. You know, you've heard me say this in the past. Maybe you've heard wiser, wiser, more experienced, better preachers and teachers than me who have said this. You're either coming out of a battle or you're in a battle or you're about to start one. Okay, you can substitute other words for that trial, a hard time, tribulation, whatever. You're either coming out of one and finishing or you're in the midst of a trial right now, a hard time, or you're about to go through a hard time. That's just life. Jesus said in this world, you will have what? He said in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. Be encouraged, he said, because I have overcome the world. All right. So Jesus, you look at his life and you say, man, he lived through a battle. Think about it for a minute. Think about it. I wasn't going to go in this direction, but look, this is very encouraging to me. Scripture says he was tempted in all points. He was tempted to lust. He was tempted to give up. He was tempted to hate and not forgive. He was tempted to say the wrong thing. He was tempted to do the wrong thing. But Scripture says he knew no sin, one translation says. He was perfect. He was tempted in all points, but he didn't give in, okay? But you watch his life, and man, he'd do so great for the crowds, and he'd heal people. I was reading today in the book of Luke. Some of us are on a journey this month through Luke, the chapter that corresponds with the day, and I'm, I'm reading ahead. It's just so exciting and so fun to read. 
in this season of hope with Jesus. But I'm reading in the book of Luke, and it's interesting how even with all the good things Jesus was doing, there were always the Pharisees there, the religious leaders of the day, right? And if you look in Scripture, you're like, man, these guys didn't even really love God. They loved their rules. They loved their power. And they loved hating. <laughs> they loved their religion, not their relationship with God. They loved the rules that they'd set up. Okay? Their man-made rules. But we notice that even on the Sabbath, that's their Saturday. Jesus went to church on, on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees were there waiting, going, that guy's sick over there. Let's see if Jesus heals him. Can you imagine missing the point of, man, this guy is healing everybody? Can you imagine showing up at church going, let's see if they do something I don't like, just so I can just, huh, I'm going to report them. And see, they were part of the, although Israel was, was subject to Rome at the time, they had their own laws and rules under Rome. Rome was that way. They'd conquer nation, but they'd say, you can go about your business, just pay our taxes. Just pay taxes to us. You can keep your religion, whatever. Just don't give us problems, okay? And we notice that these Pharisees, these religious leaders of the day, they followed Jesus around causing trouble, causing arguments in public, questioning him, questioning his motives. And now, can you imagine, they just knew he was going to heal this guy in church. That sounds odd to you, doesn't it? The guy had a withered hand. And then when he did it, they were furious and they thought, how can we get him now? How can we destroy him? He healed a guy on a day that he's not supposed to be working. Can you imagine me getting the law of God? Now the New Testament is much more simple, right? Love God, love others, right? But me twisting the law of God and making it unbearable and making it not fun and making it miserable for y'all, me walking around behind you going, this is, this is the religion of love. This is Christianity, it's, it's, which it is. It's, it, this is the... the this is something that God has given us. It is a faith that is all about love. But if you say the word hate, you are in danger of going to hell because God said to love him and love others. And I'm just policing, checking your words, going, oh, you're not walking in love. You're not walking in love. And that's what that reminds me of. The, that reminds me of the Pharisees. They were just looking for something, even in God's good law. Can you imagine? Let's see if he heals someone on the Sabbath. He's not supposed to work. Is healing someone work? I don't know. Very strange. But I'm always hopeful when I think of Jesus because I see all the things he went through. I see everything he did and how he handled it. His birth, great hope. His life, the perfect example. His death, tragic but necessary and powerful. And then his resurrection, wow, nothing like it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 9.15 real quick. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. One, one version says this unspeakable gift. Like, how can you even explain, how can you articulate how amazing God's gift is? The gift of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. I want to challenge you guys. Mention this on Sunday a little bit. Go out of your way to give this holiday season. It doesn't have to be money. You say, man, I, I don't have the money for that or... No, don't, don't let excuses waste your time either. Find a way to give. Kindness, love, respect, lis a listening ear. If it's money, if it's a, a tank full of gas, great. If it's a gift, great. But find a way to give 
and not just receive this holiday season like Jesus, because that, that will keep you encouraged and that will keep you hopeful. Did you know that? Serving and loving people, that keeps you hopeful. It gives you hope as it gives them hope. Let's go to Matthew one twenty one. I love this verse. And she will have a son, speaking about Mary, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Is that encouraging? Can you imagine going through life and knowing I'm weighted down with sins and I, there's, there's no way I can get to God or heaven? There are religions even now, and I don't know why they glorify them so much. There's a religion right now in my mind that you can do everything right according to that religion, and it's all up to their God at the end of life. You have no guarantee of salvation. You can get to heaven, and their God can say, you know what? It just wasn't good enough because they don't believe in Jesus. It just, and I'm talking about the Muslim religion. I don't know what's appealing about that. They cannot guarantee salvation. There, there's no, scripture says there's no other name under heaven where we may be saved. And that's a tough thing about the Muslim religion. You can do everything right and get to their heaven and stand before Allah, according to their religion. That's not scriptural here. According to their religion. And he can say, sorry, the gifts that you gave me, everything you tried to do, everything you thought you did, you can't come with me to heaven. you got to go to hell with the devil. Can you imagine? That sounds hopeless to me. But thank God for Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If he can save you from your sins, he can get you into heaven, right? Because you can be right with God, a perfect and holy God. And that is powerful. Why do I stay hopeful? Number one, Jesus, man. I love talking about Jesus. One man of God years ago said, you know what? I don't know about all that. Just Jesus. All right? Number two tonight relationships. I love relationships. I love having a relationship with God that ties into Jesus, right? The hope of Jesus and having a relationship with God through Jesus and through his sacrifice. Once you've accepted Jesus, I love having a relationship with God. Gives me confidence, gives me hope, gives me faith. I love having a relationship with my wife. I love having a relationship with you. I love having a relationship with my family. Let's go to Ephesians 5.30. Ephesians 5.30. Look how simple that is. And we are members of his body. We are members of his body. One verse says, you know what? It says Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother. Isn't that crazy? That goes for you too, ladies. He's not afraid to call you a relative. He is not afraid to say, he's not ashamed to say, they are in my family. I died to make them part of my family and rose again to make them part of my family. Wow, that's powerful. Relationships. I want you to think real quick before we go on. How many people did you talk to today that their rela your relationship to them is very important to you? Think about it today, how important relationships are to you daily. Just think about it for a moment. You don't have to close your eyes. You can if you want. It helps you concentrate. Say, man, how many people did I talk to? Yeah, say somebody at work. Yeah, I got to get along with them. Okay, but yeah, beyond, beyond that, your friend at work, maybe a friend you went to lunch with. Maybe somebody, think about text conversations today. Think about people on Facebook you actually like, because I know you don't like everybody on Facebook. Let's be real. Why lie? I know you love them all, but you don't like them all. You're all <laughs> block. But how many people did you text today? Did you call today? Does anybody call still? Okay, y'all do good, because I, I prefer to call sometimes. 
you texted, you, you did chatting with somehow through some medium, Instagram, something. You're in relationship with all these people. And hopefully, hopefully, now this is important. I don't know who this, who this is for. Hopefully, the relationships you've allowed yourself to be in, the relationships you permit, hopefully they're enriching your life and not impoverishing your life. I don't know who needs to hear that. Your relationship should give you hope, not desperation. Hope you're not in a relationship with someone you're like, man, I can't stand talking to them, I, but I'm going to text them. I, I have to. I'm afraid of what they'll say. No, you need to read the book on boundaries. You need to look into that book by is it Dr. Cloud Townsend. That We're having a class coming up. You'll be able to sign up soon, and the class is on boundaries. It begins, uh, I think it's February 2nd. First Sunday in February, boundaries. Say, what are boundaries? Well, did you know that people lose hope because they don't have boundaries sometimes? They let certain people take advantage of them. They say, no, but I've got to be Christian. I've got to put everyone before me. You need to be wise because Jesus had boundaries too. Even with the Pharisees, do you think he went and just was always in their presence? No, he got away from them. Do you think he was always in the presence of the people he was healing? No, he had boundaries and he got away from them at times. He chose the ones that he was going to have follow him even. The close ones, that's boundaries. Then of those that chose to follow him, he had Peter, James, and John who were the inner circle, and he pulled them away from the other disciples to go and do other special things. They went to the mountain one time, the Mount of Transfiguration, right? And they saw amazing things and heard God's voice and saw others who had gone before them. So Jesus had boundaries, okay? Powerful. In your relationships, you want to stay hopeful, you need to make sure you're wise. For example, this is going to be an exaggeration, but maybe it will, I don't know, maybe it will be a tender spot for somebody in here. I don't know. But do some people in your life have access to you constantly? Constantly? You say, man, well, you don't understand. I'm a mom, or I'm a dad, or I'm a grandfather, or I'm a, I'm a, yeah, but... You know what I'm reminded of? I'm reminded of, I've seen moms before go into a restroom and close the door. And the little boy or little girl won't leave mom alone. Y'all ever seen this? Moms, maybe they've done this to you. And they're talking to you underneath the door. I can remember that growing up and mom going, get out of here. Give me some privacy. Door closed and locked to the restroom. They say, no, people need access to me all the time. Do they? That'll drive you crazy. Your relationship should be a blessing and not a curse. Okay? You say, man, yeah, but Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, if someone asks of you, give to them. Yes, but you've got to be wise and you've got to take care of yourself. Because if you're not doing well, you can't help anybody. My mom and dad taught me that. If you're not doing well... How can you be a blessing to others? So you need to make sure your relationship with God is right and that you have boundaries and that you're taken care of, all right? So number two, relationships, they keep me hopeful, but I have boundaries. All right? That's number two tonight. Number three, God's call. God's call has always kept me hopeful even when I ran from it. <laughs> He said, no, man, I'm not going to get up in front of people and talk about God's word. I'm just not. Let's go to Romans 11.29. Romans 11.29. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Isn't that amazing? Once God gives you a gift, it's given. 
Now, what you do with it, I mean, you can spit on it. You can throw it away. You can do whatever you want with a gift. Isn't that right? That sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? You can do whatever you want with a gift. Now, some of you have heard this story. I don't know how old I was. I was really young. I must have been very young because He-Man toys were in. Do you remember He-Man? Some of you do. Some of you are like, never heard of that. Uh-huh. I can tell you, you're nodding your head. I'm like, okay, you're about my age. These He-Man toys, they, they were these amazing physique little toys. They all had the same body, though. Do you remember that? Little plastic men, and I think there were some women, too. But they were perfectly ripped, had perfect arms. They were posable. Some would come with shields and weapons. Well, I remember one time where <laughs> you could do whatever you want with a gift. Keep that in mind, okay? My Uncle Charles, man, I love him. God rest his soul. He's gone to be with Jesus. He died a couple years ago. But, man, I even kind of look like the guy. My ears stick out a little bit. I have the same style of hair. This is the only way it grows, really. And he's about my size. I think now I might be a little heavier than he was. But we're just about, and we looked very similar, even the way our facial hair grew. And I always loved my Uncle Charles. But I remember one Christmas, and I don't know how old I was. I just don't know, maybe seven or eight. He gave me a He-Man toy, and it was the one I still remember. He had battle armor on. And you could tap his chest, and something would spin inside. It looked perfectly nice. And you could tap it, and it would spin, and it looked like it was damaged, like the battle armor was dented. Does that make sense? Really cool. But I already had the toy. Lord, help him. So I don't know what came over me. I knew better than this. Mom and Dad taught me better than this. But I still remember I was at Grandpa and Grandma's house. And Uncle Charles gave me that. He went out of his way to bless me with that. And I opened the gift, and I said, I already have this one. And my parents were, they were such good note takers. Because sometimes they'd get on your tail feather right there. But I said that, I left it alone. And I don't remember them telling me anything. But I remember later on, we drove into town. We were at a gas station. And then they decided to gang up on me kind of parents, right? God bless them. They did a good job with us too, man. Did their best in God. And well, this is good. We're going to have to do this someday, Jim. But they trapped me because I went with them to the, to the gas station. I'll never forget. And all of a sudden, I don't remember who, if it was dad or mom, but I remember their faces, their much younger faces. And dad going, hey, don't you ever do that again. Someone gives you a gift, you be grateful. I will spank you, man. And mom said, that's right. Boy, when they're on the same page, parents, oh, my gosh, they're unstoppable. I was just, but, I, you know, and they said, no, no. I said, but I already, you know how it is, we defend ourselves. But I already had that one. They said, I don't care. And I, I don't know if I'm making this up, but my dad's always been a little bit of a smart aleck. That's where I get it from. He's quick, and he kind of, he can give you something sarcastic. He said, I don't care. If you have 10 of them, you'd be grateful. And you act grateful. And if you don't want it, give it away. You can hear him saying that, huh? Give it away then, but you'd be grateful. Now, see, I could do whatever I wanted with that gift, right? Be ungrateful, hmm, make comments on it. It's the same way, though, with God's call. This is for somebody tonight. Does God's call on your life give you hope, or does it give you desperation because you're trying to run from it? You say, I'm not going to do that. I know I have a gift in that area, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. 
man, the gifts in this room, there's probably 30 people in this room. But if I was able to count and know in the spirit, each of you says, man, that person has three gifts. Three, that one has one, but it's an amazing gift. That one has 10 gifts. That one, man, I bet there's hundreds of gifts just in this room. Are you being obedient to God? Are you running from hope? Are you feeling hopeless because you won't obey his call? I don't know who that's for tonight. But let's look at that verse again. God's gifts and his call can never, never be withdrawn. And I'm going to tell you something right now. From experience, you want to be miserable, run from the call of God. Be disobedient to what you know God is telling you to do. Read the word and then don't obey it. Ask advice and go, that doesn't line up with what I was thinking, so I'm not going to do it either. That's how you're miserable. But you want to be hopeful in life, and hope leads to faith. I believe faith leads to excitement and joy. Obey God's call on your life. Understand that whatever that call, you say, man, well, I don't know exactly. Uh, You have a hint, though, because there's certain areas, certain things you're good at. Let's just give some, some of you can draw. Some of you can cut hair. Some of you are just good at giving, finding a need and meeting it. Some of you are good at speaking and communicating. You say, ah, yeah, but just one-on-one. But, hey, that's a gift. Some of you can communicate to groups of people. I was telling Jen today, man, I know two gifts that God has given me is selling and telling. I'm always selling something. You say, man, what? tonight you're not selling. Oh, yeah, I'm selling God's word to you. I pray you buy it. Scripture says in Proverbs, buy the truth and do not sell it. You're buying it right now with your attention. I pray it's soaking in. But man, two things, I know they're two gifts, is selling and telling. So I'm selling you on something all the time, and I'm telling you the truth on something all the time. Whatever it is, in Jesus' name, right? What are are your gifts? Running a business, having great ideas for stuff, cooking, I don't know. Cutting hair. I don't know. I've seen people, and unusual gifts too. We take our dogs to a lady and she, she trims them and stuff and bathes them. She's a groomer. And I'm always amazed how she's not afraid of any dogs. And our dogs are just not fearful. They have, one of them has a big, rowdy bark. But man, they're, they're great dogs. But we take, I take them to the groomer. And it's amazing. I've helped her get the dogs into her garage. She has a setup for dogs and grooming and all this. And she's just so comfortable with them. I don't know if she has farm girl experience or what, but I've seen her get them ready, and she just scoots them by the rear end wherever she wants them to go, even if they don't want to go. Real confident. And I'm thinking, that's a gift, because I wouldn't be comfortable. I was thinking, our dogs are pretty easy, but I wouldn't be doing that with some of these other dogs that show up. Can you imagine? Or veterinarians or people that groom or whatever. There's gifts. This is a unique gift. I've had people... Be able to look at you and tell you what size you wore, even your shoes. They can tell you, ah, you wear about a, and you wear, are you about a, man, how could you tell that? That's crazy. I don't, for better or for worse, right? Some of you are like, I don't want them knowing my size. Interesting gifts, though. And so what is God's call in your life? What is it? I don't know. But I know that your gifts are to bring glory to God, whatever they are. Say, how could that? Man, you can build something. You can find something. You can fix something. You can give ideas. You can, you can find problems and find solutions. I don't know. But your gift is from God. And God's call will always keep you hopeful if you will be obedient to him. Number four tonight, my last point. 
Why do I stay hopeful, man? The future. Let's go to Isaiah 25, 8 through 9. I love this. He will swallow up death forever. Talking about God through Jesus here. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and people. The Lord has spoken. What does verse 9 say? In that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. He's going to take care of everything. Eventually, it's just going to all be taken care of. Some of you are going through stuff right now. The future is bright for you, though, I promise. According to his word, nothing I'm making up, scripture. Can you imagine going to a place, heaven one day, where you have no more tears? You have no more sorrow? You're united with all the people that went before you and they're in heaven? Wow, what a great future. Let's go to Isaiah 65, 17. I love this. Look, look, this is way in the future. I'm creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. New heavens and a new earth. You're like, man, yeah, this earth is in need of repair. Well, fear not. He's got a plan for down the road. New heavens and a new earth. Wow. Let's look at Luke 13, 29. And people will come from all over the world, from east and west, north and south, this is for me and you, to take their places where? In the kingdom of God. Praise God. That's for you, that's for me. You say, man, you don't know my background. Hey, that doesn't matter now. It's under the blood, and you're going to get to sit and have a feast with God in the kingdom of God. You're going to get to go to heaven because of Jesus. Man, does that give you hope? Yeah, it should. If it doesn't, man, talk to God about it, because it should. The future. Let's go over these four things again real quick. Why I stay hopeful. Number one, Jesus. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Number two, relationships. With God, my wife, with you, my family. How about your relationships, right? Which ones give you hope? And if they're not giving you hope, you need to really, really re-examine them. Number three, God's call on your life and my life. That gives me hope and keeps me hopeful. And number four, the future that God has promised. Praise God. That's why we stay hopeful. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes tonight, if you would, please. And we'll pray together. Is there anybody in this house at the sound of my voice? Anybody at all? Anybody at all that says, you know what? I I don't know if my heart is right with God. I don't know where I'd go if I died tonight. If that's you and you want to make a confession of faith, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Make a public confession of your faith. I'm going to pray with you right now if there's anybody in this house. And no pressure at all. That's between you and God. That's between you and God. You want to make it right with God? God bless you. I know you've accepted the Lord, but maybe you need to tell the Lord you're sorry. Will everybody repeat this prayer after me? Say, Heavenly Father. Say it again. Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me of my sin. I am your child, and I know you have a perfect future for me. But right now, I feel far from you. I've made mistakes. And my sin... It separates me from you. I don't want to feel that way. According to your word, 
If I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. So I confess to you my sin, and I say from the bottom of my heart, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm so thankful to be right with you. In Jesus' name. Right where you are with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you've struggled in the area of hope, pray this simple prayer. Just begin to ask God, begin to ask God to give you hope again. It starts with his word and prayer. It starts with spending time with hopeful people. It starts with being around other believers. It starts with going to church. It starts with being connected with other believers. Just ask God to give you hope again if you feel like you've lost hope. If you say, man, I've struggled in that area, Pastor Matt, would you raise your hand tonight? I'm going to pray with you right now. Say, man, I've struggled. There's a few of you. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Right now, God, in Jesus' name, I take authority over the spirit of heaviness and depression and hopelessness, God. I break it over this group of wonderful believers right now, God. I break it, and I loosen the oil of gladness and the garment of praise right now. No more heaviness, no more depression, no more hopelessness. Father, in Jesus' name, we as your people, everyone in here, we deserve hope because of what Jesus did. Say, man, do I deserve anything? Oh, we deserve it because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross. We thank you for hope tonight, God. I speak it over every person in this house. It's important to you, God, because you speak about it. Your word says that we should have confident hope in the God of hope. And the God of hope would fill us with confident hope. Now tonight I declare hope in this house. And I take authority over fear, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, heaviness. In Jesus' name it's done. It's over. I break every attack of the enemy that would try and bring that to us. And lie to us. And rob our joy. And rob our hope. Hopelessness is gone and it's replaced tonight. By faith, we agree tonight as your people, God, with hope. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name.